March 29th, 2021. Hi, my name's Tom Yakupin. This is the Tom Yakupin Podcast, also known as Yakupinions, <laughs> uh, where, I get, where I get to give my opinion and uh, hopefully without, um, without much negative blowback, right? But at any rate, so today we're very enthusiastic to, sh- to uh, share th- this time with a friend and guest, Adam Haybig of Freedom Health Works. I think you're going to love his story. Uh, as many of you know, I'm very passionate about, uh, well, I love our country uh, and we all need health care. Um, and, uh, and when you're sick or when you have an injury or, or significant challenges, you need good health care and affordable health care. And it seems as though the trend in America is uh, that costs continue to go up and up and up. Uh, as we discussed several weeks ago with fantastic results, a lot of people seem very interested in the hospital price transparency uh, podcast that we did where we kind of showed you some of the numbers and went to several hospital websites and talked about contracted rates and some of the shenanigans that seem to occur behind the veil between hospital systems, insurance companies, etc. But something else that I discovered quite a few years ago is a phenomenon uh, including, and I don't want to limit our discussion today with, with Adam to direct primary care, but uh, you know, really a free market method of accessing health care through direct primary care physicians. And I think a major revolution in the United States where physicians and patients uh, alike are doing things completely different. Adam Haybig from Freedom Health Works, welcome aboard. Talk to me about who you guys are, what you do, and let's get let's get the party started. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you today, and uh, looking forward to telling you about what we do. Thank you, uh, Adam Haybig, president and co-founder of Freedom Health Works. And I'll say straight off the bat, I am not uh, from a clinical background whatsoever. Um, uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. I uh, got a background actually in finance and I'm an attorney. And so um, looking at what we've done with Freedom Health Works and this approach we've made uh, before I get into really the nuts and bolts of what it is and, and what really drove uh, the, the launch the, of Freedom Health Works, uh, it, it was a recognition of a problem and very personal in, in my case. Mm-hmm because I come from a family of two physicians and um, growing up and watching uh, their careers unfold, uh, both mom and dad, phenomenal doctors, still practicing actually 35 years plus each of them. So really among that cohort that um, has witnessed the transformation of medicine and the way that, that we as Americans procure it and enjoy the services of our, our wonderful medical professionals today. But one of the driving factors that, that launched this business is the fact that two people who are wonderful at their jobs and had devoted their lives and their passion to the practice of medicine steered myself and, and both of my siblings completely away from it. Said, don't go near medicine. Hmm. Um, it's, it's, been in trouble for some time. And I think I merely share that story because I think it's symptomatic of a larger problem that we're going to discuss you and I today in terms of, of uh, what has gone wrong and why is, is, is healthcare and, and the delivery of medical care such a hot button issue today. And, and if it weren't, I'm sure we wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, 
Um, so wanted to share that, but, but Freedom HealthWorks in a nutshell is it's, it's really a platform that we've created to help consumers and physicians find their way back to what we call an historical innovation. And this is the notion that if you cut away the clutter and the co-pays and the narrow networks and the deductibles and all the garbage that gets in the way of a willing provider of care and a willing consumer of that care transacting directly for an affordable price in a very straightforward, clear manner. If you cut all that away, it's incredible what you're left with. And that is this return to the way medicine used to be practiced and the way that that consumers like you and I used to purchase medicine for a much more affordable price, much more conveniently, and much frankly, fr frankly, much more frequently than we do today. Mm -hmm. um, so philosophically, that's what we do in 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 bringing that to ground. Uh, we help we help physicians launch and prosper under this model that's known as, as direct care. And we've begun at the primary care level. Now we're expanding into even specialty medicine. So we help them launch and prosper in this type of practice uh, that I'm sure we're going to talk about. And then we help consumers and, and patients that are looking for that sort of alternative that are fed up with what they're getting in the, in the exchanges and in the kind of the Obamacare driven conventional medical world, the ones that are fed up with that and, and looking at some alternative, we help them find these practices and uh, watching that relationship blossom and this idea take off from a grassroots uh, beginning uh, about uh, 15, 20 years ago to what it is today has been truly remarkable. So I'm glad to be here today, Tom. Look forward to really diving into some of that. Great, great. So you guys have been at this then for about 15 years? Or when did you start? When did you start with Freedom HealthWorks? Uh, and and I assume that your mom and dad had a big part of that based on you know, what you've already shared. But uh, when did you guys launch? So no, I can't claim to go back 15 years. The, the pioneers in this model um, started around the, the, the turn of the century uh, and, and the, the early adopters stepped away from the insurance driven model in the early 2000s and said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. And I personally, I, I, my experience in healthcare goes back to about that time, but it was in a different realm. It was really um, in the, um, the way, uh, trying to design information systems that tackled or let frontline physicians tackle chronic disease in a, in a better way. And it really was an idea ahead of its time because it recognized that the chronic illness tsunami that we face today was not yet, not yet apparent. And, um, but like all great ideas, it was before it was ahead of its time. Tom. Yeah. So that was my personal experience. But as far as freedom health works goes, no, this is something that we launched uh, only about five years ago. Okay. And it was, it was directly a result of the uh, experience we witnessed that our parents were facing. And I say our because my brother Chris and I uh, have co-founded this, this company. But they were the impetus. You know, mm -hmm. there, there were two phenomenal physicians that I think over dinner one night, we were out to eat and they sat down and said, we're, gonna, we're wrapping this up. We're going to retire. We're done. Mm -hmm. And they said, why? There's no reason. You're at the top of your game. You are the type of doctors that we all need to stick around because you know that that um, that intellectual capital that we're seeing today bail out of medicine early and retire and burn out early you can't replace that and 
it got us thinking that there's got to be a better way. And so Chris and I have experience in, in building and, and growing uh, companies from the ground up. And, and I mentioned I did not really come from a medical background personally, but I think it was the, the cross-pollination of ideas and, and strategies and best practices from other industries um, and applying those to this idea of healthcare delivery in a much more efficient manner. That is, th those ideas have helped us build this from the ground up. So about five years ago, we, we cast around, we found this idea called direct care that um, it seems self-evident now looking back, but at the time, you know, many physicians that we talked to uh, when we were conducting kind of our R&D, you know, they looked at us crazy and they said, are you, you know, are you serious? Can you do that? Is that legal? Does that work? And we said, well, sure, there, there's, there's no reason it, it, it shouldn't. And um, so about five years ago, we started building out uh, and refining the best practices that we could discern from um, hundreds of physicians who had already taken that plunge and had already marched through the, the challenges of converting their practice and trying to run a business again and, and really flexing those muscles that they had in a long time. Because as you know, most of conventional traditional medicine today is practiced in uh, an employed setting. And exactly. so a lot of doctors don't get that training. They don't get that experience on the job. And so that's where we stepped in and said, let's make it easy for physicians who, who would like to pursue this alternative model. Let's make it easy for them to adopt the model and to attract patients and prosper and really enjoy practice again. So that was five years ago. We, we've marched that forward uh, over the intervening time and uh, through trial and error and, and through uh, many lessons, I'll humbly admit, uh, I think we've refined a pretty smooth system that, that helps about any physician anywhere in the country um, find their way to this model and, and prosper. For, for, just from the standpoint of our, our listening audience, because, you know, you never know where different people are at that may view this. Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that physicians are really facing, things that perhaps consumers, consumers have their set of problems. I, you know, I talk with a lot of end users in, in my game, right, you know. And people have a lot of complaints about corporate medicine today. They don't understand perhaps what's driving the change in their relationship perhaps with the primary care physician. But talk with me, what are physicians facing? Burnout, um, you know, their workloads, their focus. Uh, I know what my direct primary care physician has shared with me and others, but, but what is the problem you're solving for physicians and why should it matter? Why does it matter? Why should we, the consumer, care, Adam? Great question, Tom. And I'll be the first to admit that physicians don't often garner much sympathy from the rest of us, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody feels sorry for doctors. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize that these are, uh, you know, the, today's physicians are among the most highly trained uh, professionals in our society. And uh, they are also, sadly, uh, the profession that is at or near the top uh, in, in terms of burnout, in terms of suicide, in terms of these, these the, kind of the, the, the ugly underbelly of a system that has reduced these highly trained, highly skilled professionals, has attempted to reduce them to um, really cogs in a wheel mm -hmm. and in, in a corporate medical system that, that looks upon them as interchangeable parts and, and really does its best to try and, and 
disrupt the their their practice in a sense that they um, really interfere with with the way that they were taught and the way that most of them dreamt about practicing medicine because it doesn't fit the economic model that has emerged and i don't point any fingers at any particular culprits when it comes to that i think this is a this is a phenomenon that has grown up over a number of decades that uh, is, has really evolved and morphed in ways that no one 30, 40, 50 years ago could have foreseen. And I think the physicians are among the unlucky um, stakeholders in that. And the other would be consumers. And this is to answer your question, a lot of the frustration that consumers and patients feel today with our healthcare system is a direct result of the way that that industry, that system interferes with their interaction with physicians. And I'll say that again, the, some, a wise man told me once long, long ago when I first stepped into healthcare that, that no matter what you do, and you look at this incredibly complex system and these sophisticated uh, payer systems and, and everything else we've built around medicine, that all value, all value in healthcare is created or destroyed at one point only. And that is the point where a physician lays hands on a patient in the exam room. Everything else revolves around that. All the administration, all the payment uh, complexities, everything, the economics of the whole system revolve around that one interaction. And the more that you interfere with that, the more you disrupt that and you place restrictions on that and you know, this, this practice by billing code that has become standard uh, within the medical system, the more you, you impose that, the, the worse the experience, the worse the product, and, and really the worse the value uh, that, the, that the consumer realizes. And I think that's a big part of today. We always talk about uh, the, the affordability of healthcare and, and uh, how that is, is shrinking and has been shrinking dramatically for decades. But it's really the value. How many people today think they're getting a great value for their healthcare dollar, whether they spend that on health insurance or whether they spend that in a hospital setting or at the doctor's office? Does anybody think they're getting great value for their healthcare? I don't know, but I, I tell you what, the patients that, that visit our practices and our physicians certainly do. They do, sure. Um, I've been fortunate to attend a few uh, annual conventions hosted by the Free Market Medical Association uh, several times in Oklahoma City, most recently in Dallas prior to COVID. And I, I remember running into a gentleman who practices in Kansas, uh, Vance Lassie, and he, um, he pointed out to me, said, you know, in the room, and it was it was probably several hundred people. He said, I, "I can pretty much look out here and tell you which doctors have been emancipated from the corporate um, uh, role because they're the happy ones, Tom. <laughs> you know, and and I think that uh, there's a lot of truth, you know, to what Vance says, and certainly a lot of truth to what you say. My uh, Adam, my primary care physician, uh, Rebecca Plute in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania." Uh, built, I would say, most probably an, an 80-20 hybrid model, a direct primary care facility. And her simple explanation to me was this, and, and this is a woman with, with a heart of gold, you know. And I think, to be frank with you, I think most doctors, most physicians, they, they, they went through the schooling and the training and desire to practice medicine for the right reason. And she said, Tom, I want to help people, you know, but the old model that she was in 
And I don't know all the details, but perhaps you can elaborate on some of these challenges. She said about 80% of my time was spent on medical codes and administrative and yada, yada, and 20% care. By flipping her practice to a cash pay, getting rid, rid of the middleman, and I, I really want to dig in on what that looks like and why that's important and how practical that is. But she said, now I'm spending like 20% managing my business, right, the administrative end, and 80% on care. And, and so to address, uh, to address what you said, I do believe, as one of the fortunate few who have learned about this and have a cash pay, a direct care physician in my neighborhood, I'm one of the people that feel like I do get a good value for my healthcare dollar because I have a great relationship with, with the same physician all the time. Um, I, don't have to, I don't have long waits to see her. Uh, when I do see her, I don't feel like she's chomping at the bit to see 22 other people that day to make quota or whatever her corporate quota quota is. In fact, very often, you know, I, I'm the one starting to worry about the appointment going a little too long at times. But but she takes the time. It, it's kind of like care the way I remember it as a very young man, or you probably remember that television show, Marcus Welby, MD, you know, when, when the doc was happy, made house calls, you know, he knew everybody in town. I, I, so, so you go to a physician that's in a corporate quandary that the status quo, uh, they are facing, they're stressed out. Uh, they are in, in all probability working, far more for corporate interests than than practicing medicine perhaps the way that they see fit and how do you wh what do you do what is your your what's your end game with that physician you're solving a problem you're helping them move to a brand new model talk to me about what that looks like and why how does that benefit the consumer it's it's remarkable but it's to go back to what you said it's following the same script that your physician tom that she described. It's removing all the nonsense that, that gums up the works, all the, all the other voices and all of the other, um, you know, the, the, the rest of the impetus in the exam room with you and your physician, just jettisoning all of that and getting back to where she can focus 100% of her time and energy and, and, and brain power on you as a patient. And, and not only that, but, but also be available for, you mentioned Marcus Welby, MD. That's a great analogy to what this model provides because it, it, it's nothing new under the sun. It's simply saying, how did healthcare get so, so clogged up with all of the rest of this administrative nonsense? If you strip that away, and frankly, the, the answer to stripping that away to kind of jump to the punchline here was to remove the aspect of the, the funding of, of your medical care that runs through insurance. And I say remove, I mean, I mean reduce and let insurance go back to being what insurance really is. Insurance is a financial instrument that guards against large unforeseen expenses. We know that. We have that. We have car insurance. We have homeowners insurance. We have it in place for the unexpected large catastrophic expense that you don't see coming, that blindsides you, the car accident. Uh, the tree that falls on your house, those types of things. In healthcare, for some reason, it was distorted from, a, from an early point. And I think you see logically how that can happen. But when it does, and when that starts to creep into uh, the, the, the payments and the funding of your routine medical care, um, 
it distorts what that physician can do because everyone responds to incentives and the physician or his employer, uh, many times they've got to, what I said, practice by billing code, which is like the old paint by number that we used to have when mm -hmm. we were young. And if your condition or the care that you need doesn't fit within that paint by number, paint by billing code type scenario, out of luck. Um, and so I think a lot of physicians struggle with that because they were taught, you're, you're, you're exactly right when you said that, they were taught and they were trained to do things like, uh, you know, don't treat the symptoms, find the problem and address the core problem. Solve the issue, resolve it. Don't just throw pills at something and treat the symptoms. Well, that's common sense. But again, when you're limited into what you can, as, as to what you can do in, in, in a practice by billing code scenario, um, and you couple that with the fact that you're absolutely under uh, the gun in terms of volume and, and quotas. And they, no, doctors like yours don't have, uh, unlike yours, uh, most doctors don't have the time to sit with you if your condition requires a little deeper dive. And, and most of the time you're in and out and the average, I think the average physician uh, patient visit these days in the hospital-based system averages about 12 minutes and they're usually running about two hours late on average. So you, you think that about that scenario <laughs> and you say, and it probably takes you three weeks to get in to see that doctor in the first place because they're jam packed. And so what kind of a system, what kind of care can you expect and what kind of value as a consumer can you expect when you're sick today? My doctor can't see me for three weeks. When I go, he's running two hours behind and he gets, he's got 12 minutes to throw some pills my way. You're, you're not going to come away with a very good outcome. And, and that's what we're finding, unfortunately, in our system today. And, and, and then you throw on top of that the fact that um, physicians face pressure from their employers many times um, to, first of all, keep, keep patients kind of within the system, keep them on campus. If you do need to go outside the, the primary care setting for care, um, are you going to see the best doctor? Are you going to be uh, kind of referred along to the in-house specialist? because it is a business in the end and, and to take nothing away, hospitals do a great job many times, but um, that's an unfortunate aspect that you see a higher volume of referrals. You see more testing with defensive medicine concerns. So when you strip all that away and, and it's a simple solution because you strip away the, the payment mechanism that funds uh, conventional traditional medical care and all of that falls away and you're left with what you experience, which is a physician who can take as long as they need with you. First of all, a physician that can see you same day or next day, um, a physician that takes as long as it need, as you need to fix the problem. And that doesn't always happen in 12 minutes. That can take 30 minutes, 45, an hour. A physician who has the time to follow up with you to make sure they got the problem fixed. And a physician who sees you again and again and again gets to know you. And that's one big thing that we, we often lose sight of is that physicians are not interchangeable parts. There are people like us, they're they're, they're many times brilliant minds, but even brilliant minds need uh, repetition. They need to get to know their case, in this case, their patient. And there have been some studies I've seen that have emerged. Actually, the British Medical Journal had a great study that showed the quality of care, how that is improved and how, how um, accidents and mortality drop dramatically when you have a physician who, is a, um, who gets to know their patient, a patient who, who sees Correct. a physician for a number of years and so I, I, I feel like I'm checking boxes here, listing all the benefits of, of direct primary care and, and uh, whether it's your physician who, who you mentioned practices in a hybrid model, um, we prefer at Freedom Health Works a pure direct primary care 
model. We call it a freedom doc model. There are physicians who practice in a concierge model. There, there are employer-based clinics that, that operate under direct primary care model. We say the more, the better, because this is America after all. We thrive on a free and open marketplace where consumers have a, uh, an entire array of alternatives to consider and pick the one that best suits their needs and, and the needs of their family. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I, I have a feeling that a lot of consumers <clears throat> have been beguiled with the corporate model, believing that, you know, um, well, that it is impossible, right, for a cash pay doctor who's running maybe a little office in a little town in Kansas or Washington, PA, uh, cash-based model, that, that somehow that doctor can't compete or potentially offer the quality of care uh, that a doctor in a large system can't, you know, and, and I say beguiled because I, I think there's, there's a lot of marketing going on today in the, the medical business, you know, the care, the systems, these hospitals, I mean, the advertising, you know, I, I just flew from Chicago to Pittsburgh the other day. One of the first large advertising campaigns you run into in Pittsburgh is one of the largest health systems in town, you know, that happens to own an insurance company and hospitals and thus controls doctors who are contracted with them directly or indirectly, which, by the way, I find very suspicious that, you know, the insurance company uh, is actually, you know, controlling the care, which kind of reminds me, uh, Adam, back in the day, my dad's dad came over from the Austrian-Hungarian Empire and was an immigrant to the United States, and he mined coal in a small Pittsburgh town, coal miner. And he worked for the company, and the company gave him as part of his compensation a company house. They paid him with company script that was only good where? At the company store. store. Okay. And, and in a very real way, that's kind of, you know, a picture of corporate medicine today where Joe Blotz or Sally Doe are cajoled to buy an expensive ACA health plan. You know, it's not even called insurance anymore. It's a health plan. Um, and, 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 and it's very often very expensive and very clunky as to how it might work. Right. But uh, they're, so they're paying big money to the house and then they can only see they can only use the you know the 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 buying power of that health plan at the company store where the prices as we now know and we're we're teaching people the prices are rigged and very often artificially manipulated to the point where it seems uh egregious to be frank with you so a couple of things i'd like you to address number one is in my case i pay a small monthly subscription to my physician as part of her direct primary care practice that gives me a lot of benefits right as you said if i need a visit which by the way two o'clock tomorrow i'm i'm going to see doc right um, I, I could have seen her friday i called thursday but i couldn't do it you know you know but it's never a problem to see her uh, and so I have a doctor on demand. I can text. 
We have a great relationship. It's been five years now. But also, one of the other things that I'm seeing that doctors like Rebecca and many others, uh, when it comes to labs or x-rays or imaging, she is negotiating transparent, very affordable pricing for her clients with or without insurance. And, and so I think a lot of the fears consumers have is we've, we've been lied to about the cost of care because a lot of small stuff, a lot of non-emergent care is and can be very, very affordable. So if you have a great doctor, a great patient-physician uh, relationship, and then you have uh, transparent, low-cost pricing, for blood panel, x-rays, imaging, etc. I mean, other than surgery and major or catastrophic loss, which by the way, most people under 65 statistically, right, are not having catastrophic issues, major issues. Those are the statistics. And, and as you said earlier, the more we can nurture a wholesome, healthy patient physician relationship, that in fact will mitigate the risk of larger claims down the road. But but I have this fantastic relationship that is pennies on the dollar. Um, so talk to us about, you know, you're approaching a physician, you're, you're taking physicians from the corporate model and encouraging them and teaching them to basically step out as entrepreneurs, provide help in a way that is going to make them happy, potentially give greater care at more affordable rates to more people. Um, I, I don't want to dominate the conversation, but that, that's I want to hear more about that. And how, how do you do that? What's your conversation look like? What are some of the successes? I want to hear some success stories that you have. I'm glad to share them. We, what you're describing, Tom, is the power of the free market, nothing more. And honestly, if you think about the different aspects of life today in America, that that the free market has made more attainable. Uh, I mean, we all have one of these in our pockets today, right? Cell phone. That yeah. 20 years ago, that was a luxury item. And only a select few really had those. Uh, but today, everybody's got one. It's ubiquitous. It's almost uh, can't, can't get through a, life, a day in life without one. I, I think that if the healthcare debate in this country could be boiled down to one essential question. I'll, I'll get into the, the, um, your direct ask in a second, but we spend so much time and spill so much ink over this notion of trying to extend healthcare coverage or extend health insurance participation uh, from sea to shining sea. And what we really ought to be talking about is what we talk about with cell phones. How do you reduce the price of this item, of this good, this service, so that it becomes affordable to nearly everyone? And there's not enough ink that's spilled over that fact. I know we hear a lot about cost of care, but it's usually within the context of uh, the insurance discussion. And, and the, so the way that what we've done, and, and, and we can't claim credit for this, this is, this is the free market at work. And it really, like I said, there were, there, was, there were folks who came before us that pioneered this at Freedom HealthWorks, all we did was to take best practices and identify those, streamline them, build them into an end-to-end -end package um, that, that more physicians would find attractive and more patients could then access this model, those that chose. But um, 
if you take the power of the free market and, and you take cell phones, you take flat screen televisions, you take any other type of, of good that we would have looked at in the, in the recent past and said, that is an absolute expensive luxury item that only, only a few people can afford. And now there's, there's a cell phone in everybody's pocket. There's a, there's a flat screen TV on everyone's wall. Um, what happened? Well, because competition and uh, the search for value among the consuming public drove better and better products, better pricing, better value. Uh, we enjoy those things that we used to call luxuries today as, as, as something uh, somewhat uh, commodities. And I, I don't think that healthcare ever reaches that level, but what we can do is take, is remove the, the factors that have driven prices in many times, not only up, but, but completely behind um, the curtain that, that and what other product or service can you imagine that neither the buyer nor the seller of that service has any idea of the price? None. Okay. And, and it's a recipe yeah. for disaster because if you don't know, if I'm selling you something and I don't know the price and I can't control that price, you don't know what you're paying uh, until six weeks later, you get a surprise bill. I mean, that, that's, there's no wonder we're in this position today with healthcare and such a mess. So to, to kind of boil that down where what this does in the direct care, uh, the principle behind direct care is exactly what you said. You can identify and, and budget um, certain aspects of the type of medical care that most people need. I've heard it said that 90% of Americans only really need to see their primary care doc every year. That you mentioned the specialty docs, the you know, hospital procedures, the, the catastrophic type illnesses don't come along that often. And so for most of us, it's all we need. And I'm not saying, well, jettison your insurance and just go direct primary care. What you need to do is look at getting a, a, a direct primary care physician that gets to know you, that, that um, you know, gets to understand your health, that you can access at any time. I don't mean just getting in for a visit when you need to. I have my direct primary care doc, I'll text him. I'll ask him questions. Hey, I heard about this. Uh, you got any information on X? Uh, you know, it's it's those types of things that that really prevent the catastrophic issues from ever occurring, and that's what I've heard this described as a model that loads up on primary care contact. So you have a lot more contact with your physician for low level items, early on early onset items, and they never get to the level where you ignore them and you and you keep ignoring them and push them aside, and suddenly it blows up and you're in the hospital. And so you talk about success stories. Um, before I get to that, the, you know, one of the, the, the generalized success stories is this fact that today, even with the, um, the, the proliferation of the ACA coverages and the different, different types of so-called health coverage out there, um, it's not the same as health care. It's not the same as medical care. And when you look at the, the percentage of Americans who are functionally uninsured, they may have insurance. They've got a card in their wallet. But they're trapped behind enormous deductibles. They're, they're trapped behind really the fear that anytime they go into that office for a so-called you know, a free annual physical, which really isn't free and is not even a physical, anytime they stray outside those narrow bounds, even without them knowing they're straying, they get nailed for a giant medical bill. And it keeps people out of, of the office, Tom. It, it, people are afraid to act access the care they need. I think it said one, one third of Americans that are insured every year, insured Americans skip needed medical care because they're terrified. They're terrified of, 
of what that will cost. They have no way of telling their doctor, you know, God bless them or her. They, they have no way of telling the patient what it's going to cost either because they don't know. Uh, they're, they're checking boxes on a billing code sheet. So get rid of all that. And you, and you can imagine what it's like for patients and physicians under this type of model. And I think that the, the key to that is some of the things you're working on because people today, I get it, consumers are, are fed up. They say, I'm, I'm spending through the nose, paying through the nose for this high priced health insurance plan or my employer's paying through the nose for it. And, and I don't really wanna be burdened with additional costs. That's enough. I've allocated enough of my hard earned income to, to so-called healthcare, but they're not realizing that's not really healthcare they're buying. And so the, the missing piece of this is what people like yourself are doing. If you, can, if you can bring down the cost of that insurance coverage, which we all need for that hit by the bus on, on a random Tuesday scenario, if you can bring that price down, it creates savings then that you can take and put into things like direct primary care, where you're going to get a much better value, be much happier, healthier, and come away with a much better outcome um, than you would before. But I know people get frustrated because they say, I'm already spending through the nose. My health insurance should cover everything. And it's just not the case. And if, if you've not experienced that yet today in today's um, healthcare system, I, I hope you don't. But at some point, you will come face to face with the fact that that most health insurances today either trap you behind a high deductible or uh, they're not going to be there when you need them. And that's that guarantee that I think yeah. has, has really fallen short, but I, I didn't get to any success stories. I know you want to hear some of those because they're, they are exciting um, at the, both at the ground level and, and on a macro level. I, I always love to, thank you. I love to talk about, and I love your success story and I, and, 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 and kudos for, for recognizing um you know, yourself personally, that, that this has such tremendous value. I know I've heard stories from, from individual physicians and, and heck, I'll, I'll give you a couple personal stories. Um, I, I remember my uh, grandmother uh, passed away about, about four years ago now. And uh, she was a member of my parents' practice on the North side of Indianapolis. And you talk about what's it like to have a physician who knows you in a really experienced physician who knows you well, who's not trying to shuffle in the office um, and, and hop into your chart two minutes before they pop into the exam room and start asking you questions while they got their nose buried in the computer. That's not what this is about. Here's a case, here's, here's a, good, a good example. Um, my grandmother uh, at the time, she was um, in her 90s, I believe, and uh, was on some blood thinner. And I remember sitting at a, at a dinner, a Sunday night dinner, and my mother had been coordinating her care and um, just happened across the table and said, Nan, you don't look good. What's wrong? And she looks up and says, what are you talking about? I feel great. I'm doing fine. No, you don't look good. Once you end tomorrow morning, had her in the, the next morning on Monday, found that her, um, I think her Coumadin had been, uh, the dosage had been fouled up. And uh, she was days away, if not hours away from suffering um, major problems from, from really internal, you know, bleeding uh, from her blood thinner being too heavily dosed. And that was simply by looking at her. And you can imagine that saved a trip to the ER that saved potential early death. Um, another case I know that a physician had a longtime patient who uh, would come in time and time again. And this is fun because it spanned the transition from conventional insurance medicine to uh, direct care plan. So for years, he'd come in and had problems with, um, I think, sinus infections and just could not seem to beat this and was always 
seemingly fighting one, one script after another, you know, this drug wouldn't work. Let's try this one. Uh, and so this physician tried for years in vain to fix this. But again, when you're given 12 minutes and you're running late and, and the next patient's already pounded on the door waiting for you, it's tough to get to the root of a problem. Well, this particular physician, after years of trying to fix this on the fly, transitioned to direct care, sat this guy down. He, he, he came with him when he transitioned his practice, sat him down and said, we're going to fix this. And I think sat there for the better part of an hour. And at the tail end of that hour, they went through all these scenarios. Is it this? Is it that? You know, testing different, different theories. At the end of that hour, minute 57 hit upon it. And for years, no joke, the guy had been sleeping on, I think it's a down pillow, and identified that he had an allergy to feathers. And it <laughs> solved the problem immediately. And this is after years and years of, of wasting money on medications and and, and different types of therapies that were, that were in vain. Because that physician had time to sit down, put the administrative headache on the shelf and say, let's fix this problem, problem solved. So those are a couple of success stories I love to tell. I'm sure you have stories in terms of the, the more boring aspect of this, which is cost savings and uh, you know, some of the, the uh, you know, group potential uh, that, that, that different businesses have realized and individuals themselves. Uh, but the, the bottom line is when it comes to the dollars and cents, I know that, that healthcare, that's, that's not, it shouldn't be the driving force, but it often is. And many people look at this and say, well, if I can avoid one trip to the ER, like my grandmother did, like the gentleman that had the, 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 the feather allergy, if you can avoid one trip to the ER, one trip to a specialist, uh, you've paid for this several times over in a given year, not to mention you're actually solving yeah. the problem. Better health, better wellness. Yeah, you, you really are. Yeah, it, gr great point. And, and I, I always like to throw this out here, and I never want to assume that people have heard me say it before. And, and those of you who don't know, I'm in the health care, the, the financial services side, okay? Um, but health care, as, as Adam said, is not, or, or let me put it this way, health insurance is not healthcare, okay? Uh, your health plan that you're paying monthly premiums to or your insurance, pro that's not healthcare. Healthcare is what your doctor does, what your physician does, your dentist, your anesthesiologist, your surgeon. That's healthcare, your chiropractor. And, and what I can assure you is I have found, and I know scores of people across the United States of America have found, and, and Adam and his brother Chris and others are helping physicians find that there's a better way of doing this. Uh, you, you know, we're seeing people save on average 40 to 60% each month over, you know, in terms of monthly premiums by doing things differently. And everybody's scenario might be a little different depending on, you know, any pre-existing conditions or whatever, but we're teaching people a brand new way of managing risk, which is exactly what a financial product does. You know, years and years ago, Adam and I were talking about this off off camera, that when I, when I got licensed in insurance, um, they called... They called health insurance major medical. Now, I, I don't want to be oversimplistic here, but it wasn't called minor medical. It wasn't called let's cover everything medical. It was called major medical because common sense dictated that you bought this insurance product to prevent a large, unforeseen, catastrophic loss. And you paid cash for the small stuff. 
That was common sense. That was just 1980, 81, 82, 83 to 45. There were no PPOs and HMOs in the alphabet soup of insurance. And I think doctors were probably a lot happier then. Um, and I think consumers were paying a lot less and probably enjoyed much more of the access that we're discussing today. You can realize that today. Uh, and, and you can do that if you have an open mind and you're willing to explore additional ideas. If you're a doctor, a physician, and you're frustrated, and I can't imagine how you couldn't be, I would highly recommend you reach out to these guys, Freedom Health Works, and strike up a discussion. I, I Look, I, I'm amazed at when I've gone to the annual convention at the Free Market Medical Association and have listened and watched and learned from many people in the medical caregiving side, the profession of giving care. These are wonderful people. And as Adam said, highly trained people. I say set them free to do the best they can for you. Let's get the middlemen. Let's get the shenanigans. Let's cut the BS out of this as much as we can. And I think we can do that by educating. I want to thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Uh, Brad's going to put up your website so that folks can find you at Freedom Health Works. Uh, closing statements, anything you'd like to say as we land the plane here today? Uh, during this podcast, Adam. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I, I know that this is a topic that is both timely and can be, can be heated. And I just want to say that, that many times we don't realize, and there seem to be two sides to, to this debate, and we don't realize we're all pulling on the same oar. We're trying to reach the same outcome. And whether you call that, um, you know, like I said, expanded coverage, but I really think of it as, as let's, let's lower the price of medical care, and let's let's let innovation flourish where it's it's actually creating this type of value, and people are embracing this, both patients and physicians, consumers and professionals. Let's not starve it out. Let's give Americans alternatives because, in the end, that's what we do best. Is we we're a broad, a a a, a huge nation that has many different wants, needs, and and preferences, and we need to respect that and not try to jam it all through a one size fits all type of a construct. So I, I, right I kudos to, to, to your um, efforts and, and I, I've enjoyed being on your podcast and, and I hope that, uh, you know, see you again sometime. All right, man. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in guys. Tom Yakupin, the Tom Yakupin podcast. You can find us online, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. Uh, talk to you again soon. Have a great day. Special thanks to West Penn Life and Health, one of our sponsors. You can find them online at westpenlife.com, specializing in affordable life, health, Medicare, and retirement solutions.